On one body stewarding God's creation, Lucas Rose, along with his father, Alan Rose, talks about their consecration to St. Joseph, which they did together. What were the fruits of this consecration? What did they learn about St. Joseph? Well, let's find out. Lucas and Alan are being interviewed by Divine Mercy Radio's on-air host, George Tolman. So we have Alan and Lucas uh, Rotes with, with us today. But we're going to talk about consecration of St. Joseph as father and son. But Alan and Lucas, our father and son, are from St. Uh, okay. Aloysius. Aloysius, sorry. <laughs> Haven't seen that in a while. Yes, that's good. St. Aloysius Parish in Ransom. Alan has made a career out of sales and owned his own business. Lucas graduated from Fort Hay State University last May. Go Tigers! And he'll be leaving to become a theology teacher at Sacred Heart Catholic School in Dodge City. So, gentlemen, it's good to have you here. Yeah, great to be here, George. Thank you. And we're going to be talking about St. Joseph, and particularly how you two came across the the consecration to St. Joseph and doing it as a father and, and son combo here. So... My first question to you both, because the consecration to St. Joseph, at least what I think, yeah, you are going to you're going to tell us is relatively new, but it's not new in the sense of the history of the church, but it's new in like modern day, modern day terms. How did you two find out about the consecration of St. Joseph? Yeah, so um, I found out about it actually from Richard Dortzweiler. So before everything got locked hi, down Rich. last yeah. year, yeah, <laughs> hey Rich, uh, we he was doing it. Uh, and was coming to daily mass at the campus center and I was seeing him there and I saw him with the book all the time and I asked him about it and he thought it was doing a lot of good for him and so I asked him you know if he suggested it should it be something that I should some I could do is it something worth doing and he was like absolutely so he let me borrow his copy uh, and he finished it up to uh, the march to the solemnity of St. Joseph and so he let me borrow it from there. I got a copy and got it to dad, and we decided to do it leading up to This will be our one year tomorrow, so that'll be awesome. Wonderful, wonderful. No, that's good. Alan, do you have anything? Oh, anything that I've uh, done with this young man has had to do with the campus center down there. It's been a great influence for him. Had an older son, too, that uh, lived there for a year, so uh, I, I kind of tag along on this stuff. So. <laughs> no, that, no, that's awesome. But how did you come to decide to do the consecration together as, as father and son? Because I will say, with this consecration to St. Joseph, I know you'll get more, I'm probably sure, into the book in a little bit. I don't believe, well, you, you may correct me here real soon, but I don't believe it explicitly says anything about a father-son combo or anything like that. It's usually more of a private individual use. And so, again, Alan or Lucas, how do you two decide to say, let's do this together? Yeah, so in the book, it does talk a little bit about doing it as groups. It never does, there's not like a specific thing doing it father and son or anything, but with the impending lockdown coming up, I was like, most of my friends were leaving, and so it would make a lot of sense I wanted to try and do it, and I knew I didn't really want to do it uh, myself. And I was like, so what would be, like, who would be the good person? Who would be the person that also would benefit greatly from this? And so I was like, well, I think Dad would absolutely love this, so why not, you know, invite him into it? And it'd be a really cool thing that we could do and, you know, 
having St. Joseph being like, you know, the father of Jesus, I was like, who better to then bring into that than my own father? So uh, that was a lot of my decision on why I wanted to do it with dad. And so I reached out and let him kind of decide if that was something he wanted to do. And, but. and Alan, anything there? It's like when, when Lucas comes up to you and says, let's do this together. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, how'd you... Any thoughts on that? How'd you feel? Or no, we've we've done several things together. We we attended a men's conference together several years ago. We both joined the fourth degree of the Knights of Columbus at the same time. So it was kind of natural. If he if he's looking like that, I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Let's I mean, do it. This, let's this do it. Is great. No, awesome, awesome. So tell us a little bit about before I get to kind of how you did it in particular between the two of you. Talk a little bit about this book so can i can i actually yeah uh, absolutely so for the the our simul so our audience who's looking on youtube and facebook this is a book you'll probably see in your catholic bookstore i'm sure messenger has a couple copies somewhere about this yep. so that's verified and it's written by father donald calloway and i know from interviews that he's done that you know when he wrote it now this was actually before the year of saint joseph but he he was always itching Mm-hmm. We have the 33 Days of Morning Glory. We have the other things, but like St. Joseph, you know, the, the forgotten one of the holy families, we like to call in some circles here. Mm-hmm. We need something for him. And so Father Father Donald, in, in his goodness, say, hey, had a lot of spiritual support, obviously, but decided to write write the text and have a lot of people look at it. And then so happens that, that uh, I forgot the publishing date exactly it came out, because I got it when it first came out, too. Yeah. And I've done it myself. Yeah, you want to take a look real yeah. quick for me, Lucas. But w- after the the publication date, was it 2019? Was it 2019? 2019. Yep, yeah. 2019. So literally later that year, uh, or actually not later that year, but the but a year later, mm-hmm. right on um, Pope Francis says we're gonna have year of Saint Joseph. Yeah. Just just kind of you know out of the blue, and Father Donald has said in previous interviews that you know just couldn't believe that that. Co- Coincidence, not a. Co- there's nothing that's a coincidence. Exactly. In the eyes of God, <laughs> that that was to come about, and so, uh, but yeah, c- could you tell the listeners just a little bit what's in the book? What are some of the things that you do? You don't have to go through all of it because I know we'll yeah. talk about it more. But just give it a highlight for those people who are like, what is, what is this consecration of Saint Joseph? Why should I pick up the book? And and just give some little highlights, and then obviously we'll dig deeper a little later. Yeah, for sure. So the majority of the book, it's uh, a 33-day con- consecration, but also one thing that's a little bit different with this one than most of those, you know, 33 days to morning glory is it has a whole nother book attached to it. And it has uh, the, the book attached to it is the 10 wonders of St. Joseph. And it really picks apart each of the little individual uh, bits of theology that's kind of unknown about St. Joseph or isn't known by the by normal people today. And so uh, you read the book in coordination with each day and it kind of uh, the 33 days goes through the litany, so it gives a, a nice little two-page summary of uh, his why he's given that title in his litany, and then it goes more in depth or goes into something related to that. And then you pray the litany of Saint Joseph, and I think the Memorare each day with it, or, so, or something yes. along those lines. Yes. And so, it's a really great way to dive into him. And the one thing that's so much so great about this book and we'll discuss it more is the the stuff that you don't know about saint joseph or even the churches you know with saint joseph not really being mentioned much in scripture especially the time in jesus's adolescence where some of the uh different things that he's called comes from 
uh, it's really great to just get this full in-depth look into the, the one of the greatest saints that's ever lived. And so, yeah, the recommendation for this is obviously high from anybody, any and everybody who's ever done it. But, yeah, I, I think because I've done like 33 Days to Morning Glory, and the one thing I love more about this one is just how like how rich the text is. There's so much more to it. You learn a lot about St. Joseph. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah. One thing you brought up, Lucas, here that important for the listening audience or those interested in going into this consecration. So so a lot, I'm sure a lot of you in the listening audience are familiar with 33 Days of Morning Glory by Father Gately, right? Mike, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I just said that one. Wrote that one. That one has a unique feel in that it takes multiple saints. So John Paul II, Mother Teresa... Edith, is Edith Giant? No, who's the other? I, well, I know Maximilian Colby. Maximilian Colby, and I'm missing um, one. Sorry, haven't, haven't. <laughs> Don't have it with me. So again, done it, done it a few times. Can't remember, can't remember all of that there. But we we go through this beautiful step by step, looking, you know, multiple weeks, looking at those different saints and their love for Our Lady, the impact of Our Lady, etc. As what Lucas alluded to, this book has a different different feel than that because this one's very much driven on a catechesis of saint joseph that's how i would i would view it and also getting into the spirituality of saint joseph more so than maybe any other book that that you have now of course he uses original text and those, and those things he doesn't just make up stuff but there is a different feel it's not like we're going through you know john paul ii talking about saint joseph or whatever and those other saints have mentioned saint joseph in, in so many ways in a very unique way, St. Joseph has remained uniquely quiet in mm-hmm. the church's history, mm-hmm. similar to even the scriptures, I would say, yeah. in that, you know, he does, he literally doesn't say much, mm-hmm. <laughs> and even throughout the church's history. Now, on top of that, though, the the beauty of, of the devotion to St. Joseph has always existed within the church. And in fact, one of my favorite titles of St. Joseph is Terror of Demons, and this idea that, you know, the demons flee, because again, he is the protector. Yeah. And so we've always had that strong devotion from a church, but it's never been like kind of like brought together. And that's mm-hmm. what Father Calloway, Calloway is doing. Alan, real quick on that same question I asked Lucas, what stood out to you in terms of, of this text that was, that was you know kind of helpful? Did you really appreciate all those all of those readings and everything in here? And absolutely, I, I think one of the things that I learned the most, uh, or changed my opinion the most, was uh, Father Calloway's. You know, talking about Joseph as a younger man as opposed to an older man. And that, I mean, growing up in the 60s, 70s, that's what we saw was an older St. Joseph. Uh, but then to, to the litany, the protector of the uh, Holy Family and terror of demons, it, it's very plausible that he wasn't an old man like myself, <laughs> but he was someone who was uh, older than Mary, but also uh, strong and, and, and he... Uh, just as you know chose chastity in his life to honor god as she did she and did. so yes how did doing the consecration together work give us some some details did you do it you know in your own place did you come together just tell us how you did this for the audience pretty for those much, who may, yeah pretty much uh, we did it on our own and then contacted each other during the week or you know, either through text message, you know, did you catch this, or yeah. mostly him trying to inform me on things. And, <laughs> and, uh, and but yeah, and so it was a, it was neat because we were in lockdown and and things weren't, uh, you know, we weren't doing a lot of things, and and so this this allowed us to really focus on this book. So. Yeah, yeah, no, it was really great because it was it was a lot of you know me 
texting dads like, did you catch that in today's readings? Like, wow. Like, that's, that's deep. That's and sometimes I'd have to then read it again. To make, yeah. sure. <laughs> make sure you caught it, <laughs> at least on the second glance. But, yeah, yeah and, and just, like, there was a couple, at least a few times on some of the readings where we called, like, I called you or whatever, and we talked for, like, 30, 45 minutes about yep. one thing from it. And it's just like, wow, this is deep. And, like, St. Joseph is way different than ever, you know, like, I mean, I had been exposed about St. Joseph one time before reading this book, and that was by Sister Mary Joseph from the Immaculate Heart of Mary Sisters. Love them. The, them coming to the campus center as much as they did was amazing, and I finally bugged Sister Marie Therese enough to have a guy's night or, like, a guy's <laughs> thing because every time they came, they'd, they'd do, a, like, discernment and dinner thing with the ladies on the Thursday night after Disciples. And I was like, when do, when did like, the guys are just as excited, if not more excited when you come. Like, when do, or at least I was. <laughs> I always loved when the IHM sisters came. I was like, when do we get something? Sure. And she's like, oh, right, let me, let me work on that. And so she, uh, one time she came, she brought Sister Mary Joseph, who was actually the first person to ever pose the idea of Joseph as a young man to me. And after that, I was just like, this guy is so much more than we've ever been taught or ever been told about. Like, man, this because, you know, you, scripture, you, there's not a ton of them in there. And, and so but one thing in the book, too, that I really loved and one thing that I think we had a really long discussion about was how Joseph's internal thought during a lot of the things that were happening during like because the scripture just kind of tells the story but you're not really diving deep into what saint joseph was thinking like at his enunciation you know and why he got the most just title was because he knew that he won that what had happened he was not worthy to to be the father like the foster father of christ and he knew that that's what it was going to be you know and that he wanted to protect mary in that instance and he wanted to to get her out before anything bad could happen but it was just like wow like you don't ever think from his perspective you know and and thinking how he would have had to thought or like what he was going through like we all like we see mary and we 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 get to sympathize with her a lot more because we have a lot more literature about her and you know especially the gospel of luke talks a lot about how she felt during these times Mm -hmm. or her seven sorrows and that kind of stuff. And I was looking at the book before we came up, and I forgot about the seven sorrows of St. Joseph. Mm-hmm. And it really dives into a lot of the emotion that he would have had to been feeling during those times. And it's like, how did he do that? You know, like, I don't think I would have been able yeah, to, exactly. to do any of that kind of stuff or say yes to any of the, the hard challenges that he was faced. Exactly. But he did it. And he did it virtuously and almost as perfectly as you possibly could have asked a father to do it. Let's well, do it I, again, not as far as going to Bethlehem and then the flight to Egypt, and, and it just really changed my whole uh, concept of what St. Joseph was. And and the humility, I think there's a reason we don't hear a lot about him. You know, he was a quiet individual. He was, you know, the strong, quiet type. And, and uh, But f- for any man to willingly give up that, Knowing full well, you know that uh, the mother, the new covenant, and the and the son is your foster son and the savior of the world. That has to be in, incredibly awe, uh, incredibly uh, awe-inspiring. So, uh, but that that I keep going back to that. That it just it was a, a totally foreign 
thought process for me. St. Joseph has been, you know, since we've done this, I've, I've really developed a devotion to St. Joseph and, and uh, in, in daily prayer and, and, you know, the novena that ended today and uh, for tomorrow's feast day. So uh, just, just getting to know St. Joseph was, was wonderful. Lucas? Yeah, I, you know, with everything, everything that we've said, obviously, that's, those things are the, the best. But one thing, and I, if you listen to the station regularly and you hear the St. Joseph moments, I helped write those. And two of them that were my favorite two to write were about uh, Santo Anello and the House of Laredo. And that's something in that uh, if you're not from Italy, you don't know about those things. They're a pilgrimage, and they've been pilgrimage sites for thousands of saints. And, and to briefly touch on each one of those, the House of Laredo was the house that uh, the Holy Family lived in, in Nazareth, but it's not there anymore. It's in Laredo, Italy, because it was uh, mystically transported by angels multiple times. And I love, the, I love the story of it, especially when it gets to Laredo the first time. And it's on this land, and these two brothers own the land, and they're fighting over how to profit from it. And so within like a week of them fighting about it, it gets moved again. <laughs> so like you're not profiteering <laughs> off of this beautiful historic relic of the Holy Family. And so, but like just learning about that and like that's an actual place and that that's verified and it's a, a, a miracle and it's a beautiful, beautiful attraction to better understand the Holy Family, getting to see where they lived. Uh, but also Santo Anello, uh, which you hear that and you think it's Saint Anello, but it's it's the holy ring. It's the actual ring that Mar or that Joseph gave Mary in their betrothal, and it's still on display today. And I, I when I was here, I, our, my older brother he owns a jewelry store here, and so to like I worked there all four years of college, and to like think of the holy ring and like think of rings as this important part of people's lives, and like being being able to be a part of that for dozens and dozens of people as I was working here to then actually see like the holy ring and like to see that yes. getting to experience one getting to experience it for other people and like being the person that helped them get exactly what they wanted exactly what she wanted and to see just the joy and happiness that brought them and then to see that ring you know and see pictures of it that I've you know you find on the internet and then to hear of like the pilgrimage that every once in a while they allow for people to come in and if you're a newly uh, married couple that you actually get to touch your rings to to the holy ring it's like wow like that you would never you would never hear about that outside of Italy because it was an unknown thing and like to hear the stories of those was one of the coolest things i think I got out of the book, especially when I was still working there while we were doing it. Absolutely. So. No, absolutely. We need to take a short break right now, but stay tuned to Divine Mercy Radio. We'll be right back with more from Lucas and Alan Rose on their consecration to St. Joseph. We're back on One Body, Stewarding God's Creation. One body. Lucas and Alan Rose. One body. Stewarding God's creation. Consecration to St. Joseph. One body. One body. 
George Toman conducts the interview. Folks, again, we're listening to Alan and Lucas Rhodes talking about consecration to St. Joseph as father and son. Gentlemen, what was your favorite part of the book? And I'm sure you could probably list, like, many. But what was you, But let's go ahead and talk about that. Well, I just think the daily reflections was good. And it wasn't, it wasn't a hard read, you know, so it wasn't something that I'd have to commit hours to. Uh, Lucas is a is a voracious reader. I'm I'm not. So, uh, but it, yeah, I think that was and and being able to do it uh, with my son to do it that way. I, you know, again, I don't know just the different lessons that each day brought to me anyway. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Uh, Alan, how long how long would you say to get through a reflection per day? How long would it usually have have taken you? Uh, you know, I don't know. We didn't. Uh, each one's a little different, but I would say 30 minutes, 45 minutes. Yeah, at the most, I yeah, would say. That was, yeah, that was at and the most. And so. I was going to say, if you're just reading it, 15 is probably, you know, yeah. where it is. But then getting to the reflection, right. 30 minutes. But, yeah, any, oh. I mean, th- this yeah, is. Yeah, this is not a hard read. Yeah, this is, no, this is, no. This is very much a, a pretty darn easy read yeah, in yeah, the context very, of what it could be. So, sorry, Lucas. Oh, is it very accessible. I think that was one. I Because uh, when I got it. The book bef- from Rich, uh, before we had even started, I read through the Ten Wonders. Now, granted, I we were in lockdown at that time, so I w- it wasn't like I had a whole lot to do, and <laughs> most of my classes had not really weren't prepared for going online, so I didn't have a ton of homework. But I finished the the Ten Wonders part of the book before we even started, and so and it took me maybe three days. <laughs> like, it, like well, in one because it's so gripping and so accessible, you could just fly through it so quickly. But yeah, I would say with me, what my favorite part of it was was obviously having that reflection and, and being able to like look at it on like just even the the two pages each day was so much more about Saint Joseph than you were ever taught in CCD class. Right. But then getting to go into the really in-depth stuff and, and find out these really interesting and, and different things. But also the prayers. Yes. The prayers at the back of the book that yeah. either were our ancient prayers of St. Joseph or ones that were commissioned, ones that he uh, came up with and, and put in there, which is so fascinating, you know. And, like, hearing all these. And uh, on top of that, all the, like, same type of things that we would we do with Mary, you know, like mm-hmm. uh, the memorari to St. Joseph and stuff yep. like that and having um, showing these things of like, I mean, obviously he's not of the same veneration as Mary, Absolutely. but like when we, we talk about like the dulia, hyperdulia and protodulia, like uh, uh, Father Calloway talks about in the book, like he is our universal patron, you know. Like, he is the patron of the church. He is the protector of patriarchs. He, you know, protector of the virgins. He is protector of all of us. And and to, like, see as a church the veneration that we've given him, but how us as individuals, would we don't even know that that's the veneration <laughs> that the church gives him. And that was so eye-opening. Like, I didn't yeah. realize how much, and especially, like, uh, like you were saying, it's an ancient thing for us to, to venerate St. Joseph, but only in like the last 150 years has it actually been a major thing, yep. you know, and that 
came with the when he was declared the universal patron. That's why, for those who don't know, that's why the year of St. Joseph is this year, because when Pope Francis declared it, it was the 150th anniversary of him being declared the universal patron. So, yep. like, to, to think that in 150 years, this relevant literature and, you know, only in the last 150 years had he ever appeared to someone in an apparition with Mary. And I don't remember which apparition that was now, but um, like him actually appearing in apparitions and, you know, becoming much more involved in his role as the protector of the universal church. And also all the saints that are mentioned in here of having, because like one of the, if you get a chance to look at the artwork, artwork of it, there's one piece of art of him holding the child with the staff and lilies, and then all of the saints mentioned in the book that had some level of consecration or had spoke about him in some way are lined on the outside of him, and there's like 30 of them. (laughs) And we're talking pretty much in the last 150 years. That's a lot of saints for 150 years that had some level of uh, devotion to St. Joseph, and some of the quotations they put in there and the stories of the saints that got their life turned around because it's like, uh, I don't know if he's saint now or still blessed Bartolo Longo, who was into like witchcraft. Yep. yep. <laughs> and that was, that's another one of those uh, St. Joseph moments that we did. Yep. And I didn't know that about him. And yeah, he was into witchcraft. He became a priest of the Church of Satan. <laughs> and then as he started coming to understand the church better and, and it was the terror of demons quotation of St. Joseph that he learned that and he started asking his intercession for not only him and all the spirits that he had brought about himself but for all the people that he had brought spirits into in his priesthood of Satan and and the beauty that came along with his witness uh, to the, the true faith and to, and to this devotion that he had with St. Joseph and all the beautiful good that came with that. It was amazing. Yes. Yes, no, very, very true. You know, what kind of fruits have come from this consecration in your lives? What have you noticed between either individually between the two of you, but also maybe as the father-son relationship, just out of curiosity? Well, I, I know it has affected my prayer life. I, I've, I've developed a, a, be, a deeper prayer life, uh, starting with St. Joseph in the morning. And, and uh, so there's that fruit, uh, the uh, delving a little further into St. Joseph, we, uh, we are selling... Lucas's uh, childhood home, and we have uh, asked for St. Joseph's intercession in that. We live in a little town of Ransom, and, and uh, uh, we've, I think the house has been on the market for less than three months, and we've got it under contract. And it, it's, we, I believe that that is why that St. Joseph has uh, brought the realtor to us, and, and you know, uh, we didn't just stick a sign out there, and it's someone from, from out of the area that's looking to move into town. So uh, that, that knowledge of his intercessory is, has been very, very good for me. I mean, Absolutely. so. Absolutely. Yes, and, and like what Alan alluded to here, if you're ever having housing difficulty in any form, ask for St. Joseph's intercession. Mm-hmm. He usually finds a way to help you out there. So that's good. Lucas, what about you? Yeah, I would say for me, it's mostly as the model, you know, as like St. Joseph as the model. You know, it, a lot of the times, and, and I think most people will probably be guilty of this, is like we, we always get told Christ is the model, and he is, obviously, perfect human, uh, perfect human and God. And sometimes we're like, 
that's so hard. <laughs> you know, like you look impossible. at a lot of yeah. impossible. Yeah. You know, it's it's a thing to strive for, but it's so almost impossible that uh, with Saint Joseph, it's kind of nice to see the man who discerned, yes. who had yes. to discern. Mm-hmm. He had to discern what was right and at times looked like he was about to make the wrong mistake until he was open to the Holy Spirit guiding him, you know, and and through dreams and like we were talking about. You know, when I first saw Sleeping St. Joseph's in like an autumn catalog, I thought that was the lamest thing in the world. (laughs) It's like, really? We're going to make him sleeping? Like, why? Why? Then I finally found out why or like I, you know, I've read the devotion to the Sleeping St. Joseph. I'm like... That's the opposite of lame. That's like one of the coolest things that you could do to commemorate such a great man is to actually look at the times where he was given grace and accepted it. Not just like kind of pushed gently in the right direction, but was like, you know, put the hammer down by an angel and was like, this is what you're going to do. And him be like, I don't know why I wouldn't, you know, this is grace. This is what God wants for me. Like, why not? And, And so I think... For us, and for me especially, like, seeing his level of discernment and his ability to, and, and you know, like, discernment is such a, a top, like, a word that's used usually just when it comes to, like, voc- like, vocational discernment. But, like, and he had to do that. Like, that was part of his discernment in one of his dreams. But also just, like, what's the right next thing to do? You know, he wasn't afraid to trust God in allowing him to say what was the next move. And, you know, I've had to, I've done that in my life, and that's been stuff that's been uh, difficult to sermon as a young man and trying to figure out exactly what things I'm supposed to be working towards. Spent a short amount of time in seminary, came back, now being able to, to allow God to speak in my life and in the right direction of going and getting to do the thing that I've wanted to do since I was probably in high school of getting to go teach, you know, like, being able to sit down and look at St. Joseph as the model for discernment and just relax, you know, and not constantly Absolutely. be like, oh, my gosh, what, what am I going to do next? You know, like, I'm, I'm 23, I'm single, I don't know what I'm going to yeah, do. It's like, yeah. no. You know, St. Joseph was, you can make the assumption that he was about my age or maybe a little bit older when him and Mary got married. It's like, it'll yep. come. Like, yep. you, you got to be the man worthy of being married to the woman that is worthy of being pursued and to be married. And exactly. so I think seeing his trust in his discernment has been one of the most fruitful things that I've been able to get out of St. Joseph. And I can go back to him whenever I'm having these anxieties about what I'm supposed to be doing or where I'm supposed to be going. And, you know, like that's what's probably been the biggest fruit for me. I, I like I love the Ite at Joseph, you know, yep. like go to Joseph. That's when right. you're struggling, go to Joseph. When you're happy, go to Joseph. You know, like mm-hmm. everything, go to Joseph. It's yep. beautiful. That's right. No, that's right. Alan, do you have anything you'd like to add? No, add that there's uh I as as you both get older, you'll you'll find God and and uh, his saints in heaven will help you with your discernment. They just There's a lot of instances in my life when I let go of the wheel and, and we steered right into where we were needing to go. And, and, and I think that's St. Joseph too, just being a little Absolutely. bit uh, humble and, and allowing God to work through him. So That's right, yeah. If someone out there is thinking about doing the consecration to St. Joseph, what would you tell them? Do it. Absolutely. <laughs> do it. Absolutely. I, I, and I, I would I would add to do it with your with your 
son or sons if you can i i i got a lot out of that it was very a good time even though we weren't in the same home we were communicating and and uh hopefully uh some in some way i'll be better as a father because of that and when that day comes for lucas that will be a, a model for him so yeah i'd say and that would be like you said george it is put up in a way that you can do it privately and you can do it as a private devotion and you guys had Nathaniel Benversey on mm-hmm. earlier. Love him. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Exodus 90. Community. Like, it's such a, an aspect of the Christian life that's underappreciated, that's right. uh, especially as things happen in the world that makes it easier to be by yourself and not out in a community. But, do yeah, do it with somebody. Do it with your dad. Do it with your, your sons. Do it with your grandparents. Do it with... Uh, a group of men at your local parish like and be the instigator of it be the one that wants to do it and be the one that gets everybody in to do it because that's what's going to make this so much more fruitful because yeah you can do it in your it's kind of like with scripture studies or bible studies and stuff like that when you do it with a group versus like just sitting down and reading scripture and and you know obviously the holy spirit can work in beautiful ways and in the exegesis you get from scripture but i i from my time in college especially sitting down and in seminary as well sitting down with like the daily readings or the the weekend readings and being able to say what you got from it and then to hear what somebody else got that was foreign to you or not even close to what you got out of it you know same with this i i think dad and i both were there was times where we were calling and texting each other like did you get this out of that and every times where i was like no and then i'd go back and reread it or vice versa and it, it it allows you to get so much more out of it because you're not just taking your own and like own thing with it and maybe there's there's walls or masks that you have that don't allow you to see some of the stuff that St. Joseph was because of past things that makes it hard for you to see him as a loving father or see him as a, a loving spouse or something like that that some other person can definitely point out for you. And so yeah, I'd say community, community, community. If you're going to do it you can do it as a private thing, but I would always suggest doing it with somebody. Absolutely. No, I know. Definitely agree with you. And to our listening audience, too, again, we've been really focused on, on you know, looking at this from the guy, guy's perspective. You know, you ladies, feel free to also get Absolutely. into this, too. This is, this is you know, they're, you know. But, Alan, I want to I go to you. we got about a couple minutes left. You mentioned at the very beginning. I want to bring it up one more time here. You mentioned a little bit about the power of our local campus, Catholic Campus Center here in Hayes. And I was just hoping maybe you could talk a little bit more about that as we're ending our time together. Well, the first experience that, that we as a family had with that was our, our uh, son, Dustin, went to school in Fort Hayes. Uh, is, uh, 15-ish years yeah, ago. I think, yeah, 15 years ago. And Father Fred was here. You know, he fell in love with the place. They, they uh, He and Richard Dortzweiler, who is an important part of our lives, too. He's, he's a good friend with Dustin. They came up with a group called One Pillar, uh, did did this all through the, through the uh, campus center. When Lucas was looking at different schools, he was a track athlete, a distance runner. He had offers from different schools, and, and I, you know, I was convinced the experience he would get at this campus center was worth him ignoring the other schools just to go to Fort Hayes for that experience. And I think it was the right decision. Oh, I 100% uh, agree. I, uh, there were other factors. He was closer 
in Hayes to us. He also had a brother and a sister that could help him unlock his car if he left his <laughs> keys in there. Never needed that. <laughs> Want to point that but, out? But the you know the campus center was such a such a uh, important thing for Dustin, and it became uh, both both of those two sons lived in the campus center at one time during their career at, at Fort Hayes, and uh, both of them are, are better Catholics than I'll probably ever be because of that experience. And if you have children that are looking at Fort Hayes State University, get them to that campus center, get them involved there. That'll keep them on the straight and narrow and they have fun, but uh, it'll it'll still be, that'll be worth, that's that's better catechism than yeah. anything you could get in a K through 12 setting, so. Like what I told Tyler Weber earlier, when that campus center here on Fort Hayes, when it is at its best, I will put us against anyone in this state. I agree. Yeah, um, Father Gale. Yeah, yeah, I'll put yeah, <laughs> I'll put us against anyone. And that's not to be competitive here, folks, but there is something special that God has uniquely blessed that place and to keep it going is, is really well. Hey, gentlemen, thank you so much for coming in. Really appreciate the the time and God bless you. It was great to have you in for yes. an hour. Okay. Thank you so thank much, you. George. You bet. We hope you enjoyed this One Body Stewarding God's Creation show. If you would like to evangelize and aren't quite sure how to do it, please consider donating to Divine Mercy Radio as only the Holy Spirit knows how many souls are being turned toward Jesus through these airwaves. This station is 100% listener supported, so any amount you can give will be greatly appreciated to pay the monthly bills. Thank you. You're listening to Divine Mercy Radio 105.7 KMDG Hayes, 101.7 KJDM Lindsborg Salina, 88.1 KRTT Great Bend, and 88.1 KVDM Hayes. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. One body, God's creation.